The Coach's Roundtable is brought to you by Between the Lines. Between the Lines offers online training with current minor league affiliates from the comfort of your own home through online technology. With their coaching, watch your skills and money increase due to no longer needing to drive to get training. For more information, go to betweenthelines.pro. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable Podcast. Today, I've got a few coaches with me who are going to break down all things baseball, but enough for me. Let's get to know our coaches, and we'll start with you first, Coach Hooker. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to lately. Uh, well, I grew up in uh, grew up in the West Houston area and graduated from uh, Ailey Felsick High School in 2001. I was very blessed and played for... Uh, Robert Copley, who was inducted into the Texas High School uh, Baseball Coaches Hall of Fame uh, in 2014. Uh, after that, I went on to uh, Southwest Texas and uh, tried to walk on there and, and uh, did not make it. Uh, found out 83 miles an hour gets hit a long way in uh, Division One baseball and uh, did not make it and just got my degree there. Uh, started my coaching career at a little school down by the coast called High Island. Uh, I was the head baseball coach there. I got really uh, humbled there. Didn't didn't know uh, new baseball, but didn't know how to practice. Uh, we uh, <clears throat> had a couple good kids there and ended up uh, one in the district there and, and uh, going a few rounds. And then I made my way uh, around being an assistant a couple years and at Hardin Jefferson, Southeast Texas in Lano in the Hill Country in Texas. And then uh, down, went back home to Houston for two years to Help my high school coach. And after that, I <clears throat> became a head coach at uh, Comanil in East Texas for uh, three years and then moved over to a school called Big Sandy uh, for four. And, and we had a, a lot of success there at Comanil. We, we won the district uh, two out of three years and went uh, three rounds. And then at Big Sandy, uh, blessed with some some really good players and uh, played in four regional finals, three state tournaments, and ended up winning it in 18 and 19. And uh, <clears throat> after that, I always wanted to be a head coach at a big school and uh, started applying around and uh, interviewed up here and uh, in the Fort Worth area and, and accepted this job in 2019. And obviously last year with the uh, pandemic, we really didn't get going. Uh, played 14 games. Uh, Got through the first tournaments, first two tournaments, and that third tournament we got to Friday and, and got canceled. And uh, you know, here we are trying to battle all the social distancing and uh, just trying to battle everything to to get our kids prepared for this upcoming season. Awesome, we're glad to have you on. And what about you, Coach Mickles? What have you been up to? And tell us a little bit about yourself. For having me, first of all, really excited about this. Uh, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, originally. Went to Redemptorist High School and graduated in 2002. Redemptorist, it's not even open anymore, but uh, for a long time, we were pretty much a powerhouse in just about every sport. And quite honestly, I was a, I was a late bloomer physically. I was tall, but I was real skinny, not very strong. Uh, I was only 17 when I graduated. And um, I really started to kind of hit my stride summer after I graduated and um, ended up going to Hill College to pitch over here in Texas. And... Um, actually tore my UCL while I was at Hill and the way it kind of went was they paid for me to get an MRI. And then when the UC, when the information came back that said I had a torn UCL, they said, uh, we can't help you pay for this. And so I had to figure it out on my own. And my insurance company said it was a cosmetic surgery. They weren't going to pay for it. So I was kind of out of luck on that deal. 
So I left left Hill, came back home, went to Southern University for a year, which is in my hometown of Baton Rouge. I was able to catch on as a walk-on with them, trying to get my arm better. Uh, it really wasn't a good fit. Didn't have kind of what I needed for a lot of reasons. I, and really, my parents were getting divorced at that time, and I just wanted to get away from home. And so uh, it's funny how God has a has a way of, of kind of pointing you in the right direction, even though you're kind of lost and kind of confused about some things. I ended up on a, just taking a chance and uh, going to Louisiana Lafayette, and I enrolled in the school and went with Tony Robichaud, who was legendary coach there. And he said he'd give me a shot. And so I go through walk-on tryouts, get a shot, and stayed there for three years. And it was a it was a really hard, hard three years. The first two years, arm still not really responding. I was being kind of a knucklehead, nothing too crazy, but just not really doing everything that he required his guys to do. And and it was the best thing ever for me because he taught me how to be tough, and he taught me how to be a man. And he didn't do it by putting his arm around me. He did it by by challenging me and, and demanding more from me and, and really raising the expectation level. And by the time I was a senior, I was able to get on the field a little bit, ended up pitching in the uh, Sunbelt Conference Championship game. We were a really good team, went to the Texas A&M Regional and uh, had just a really good experience. And it was, it, it was, God knew that he wanted me to be a coach. I didn't really quite know it at the time. Uh, when I graduated, I moved to, to Dallas. My girlfriend, now my wife was already up here. And so I, kind of found a job in sales originally and uh and, and was doing great loved it and for two years I did that right after college and I kind of had in the back of my mind that I wanted to coach but I was making good money I liked what I was doing and then uh, I, I'll never forget this on December 14th of 2008 I met with my boss we had lunch and we talked about how well I was doing and the promotion path that I was on and then on December 31st I was laid off and I was like okay God I see what you're I see what you're doing I get it and so I started, uh, decided I was going to be a coach after that and go teach at the high school level. And real crazy, I, I was able to uh, meet up with a guy named Chuck Wells, who's the head baseball coach at Richland. And he didn't know we didn't know each other at all, not even a little bit. And I applied for a freshman football, JV baseball job with those guys. And, and Coach Hooker will tell you, getting a Texas job in the suburbs at 5A and 6A without knowing anybody or having any coaching experience is pretty impossible, and somehow it worked out for me. And I stayed at Richland for seven years. Then I got my first head coaching opportunity at Chisholm Trail High School, which is a 5A school uh, in North Fort Worth. was there for two years, got into the playoffs both times, head coach there. There were some things that uh, it was kind of a tough situation for my family with what the football responsibilities were in the morning, and so I decided to leave, went back to Richland for a year. And lo and behold, God kind of shined a light again and uh, gave me another head coaching opportunity at Decatur High School. And so this will be – we've just started my second year at Decatur, uh, coaching football, coaching as the head baseball coach, and teaching some social studies classes. And um, Decatur is an, an awesome, awesome place. It's it's about 45 minutes outside of the Metroplex. So we we're, we got the country feel and we got the big city feel all kind of rolled into one. And, um, and it's a football mad town, a baseball mad town. They love their sports there. It's You go to the gas station on the game day and everybody in there is wearing blue. And it's it's just an awesome, awesome feeling. And uh, we won a big game on Friday night. So we had a really good chance of being district champs at this point. And um, it's just been really, really exciting. Busy times right now, but it, it, it's starting to feel like normal again. So that's what's exciting. Awesome. We're glad to have you on. And you're absolutely right. God absolutely does work in mysterious ways. So we'll move kind of into the baseball questions, and I'll start with you first, Coach Hooker. What is the craziest thing you ever witnessed at a baseball game? Uh, 
Well, for me, I guess one of the earlier in my career, I guess I was I was a, a wild man, is what we'll say. I, I abused umpires. I was the the yeller, the screamer coach, and finally took me a long time for my one of my mentors, Sean Mixon, who uh, won a state championship at Jasper, uh, to sit me down and, and calm me down. But I think probably the the two wildest things I ever saw, uh, well, there's kind of three, but uh, when I was at Coleman Hill, uh, we had a fundraiser with our rival, West Sabine, and we ended up playing at Minute Maid in Houston. And uh, <clears throat> we had a kid hit a ball off the wall, and it kind of ricocheted around, and uh, they fumbled the ball around. I sent the kid home, and, and he scored, and they called him out. And, man, I ran down that line, and I got ejected at Minute Maid and uh arguing with the umpire and and uh because of that you know i i was walking off the field and uh <clears throat> the guy that maintains the the mound uh that's all he does for a minute made it was an old probably about 75 year old man he was standing in the hallway and he just looked at me and goes congratulations you're the first ever high school coach to get ejected at minute made and i was like well that's probably not a, a great honor but um we were pretty much playing West Spain for the district championship uh, four weeks ago in the first round of district against them. We were down uh, 14 to two going into uh, the seventh inning, the bottom of the seventh. And uh, we scored 13 runs with one out to beat them. And uh, I mean, it was just a hit after hit, a walk, a pass ball, a double. And uh they ended up walking back-to-back guys, intentionally walking them with the uh, to load the bases in a in a tie ball game. And the first pitch they threw uh, hit the plate and rolled to the backstop, and we ended up running into score. And uh, I'd never been a part of anything or seen anything where you came back from down twelve to to win a game. Uh, that that, and then uh, in twenty eighteen in the state championship game. Uh, we had, we had lost to Munster in 2017 and played them again in 2018. And uh, we ended up scoring uh, uh, six runs in the bottom of the fifth to run rule 13 to three. And I think that was probably the craziest thing I've ever been a part of because the night before I watched Munster uh, beat Woden two to nothing and Woden had a, a UT commit on the mound. Uh, Drew Shiflett, and they ended up beating him and played just this perfect game. And uh, going into the next into the state championship game, you know, we didn't talk to our kids about <clears throat> the Munster game the night before, just kind of got them pre- prepared in the hotel. But me and my assistant went back into our room, and we just both said, oh, God, we have to play perfect. And uh, we gave up two runs in the first, and we didn't think we were going to be able to score. And uh, – we ended up uh, scoring four runs in the first on six walks and two errors. Didn't have a hit. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy how baseball is that, you know, 12, uh, 12 18 hours ago, uh, the team were playing in the state championship, played absolutely the most perfect game. And then 18 hours later, they, they couldn't field the ball or throw a strike in the in the first two innings. And, and we ended up running on them in the state championship game. And, that's just two of the kind of craziest things I've ever been a part of, being being down 12 with one out and winning and then 
uh, winning a run rule in the state championship game. I, I think that's two of the craziest things I've seen as a coach. And what about you, Coach Mickles? What's one of the craziest things that you've ever witnessed at a baseball game? About this, in my sophomore year of high school, very first varsity baseball game, where I, and where, where I went to, Redemption's High School in Baton Rouge, it's a great school. It's in a really rough and tough neighborhood, and you had to keep your head on a swivel, and there was always kind of some just crazy stuff going on. Well, we're playing our first home game of the season, and we, we didn't have a field at our school, so we played at a park that was a couple miles away. And uh, the back of the park was kind of like um, like a, a retention canal, and there was a bridge right next to that that kind of connected part of the park to the where the baseball field was. In the middle of the game, some guy walks out on that bridge and fires about five rounds with a pistol right into our baseball field and then runs off. And everybody kind of stops for a second and checks to see if they were shot, and nobody got shot. And play ball, let's run it back. So we just kept on playing. And uh, I keep I think about it all the time, like, man, what would we do now? We, we surely wouldn't keep playing baseball, but it was just, I guess, maybe a different time. But that was, that was definitely uh, my first experience with playing varsity baseball. Haven't had one quite like that since, so – uh, but it was definitely definitely an interesting thing, and I, I couldn't think of anything crazier, so that's what I'm going with. <laughs> wow, those are some crazy stories, guys. And so we'll move more into the baseball-oriented questions, and we'll start with you first, Coach Mickles. What are the stats that you look at in particular when evaluating players? Try to get too hooked up with a lot of stats when, when deciding where my guys are. Uh, I, I like to try to get a feel for where they are from a confidence standpoint, how they carry themselves, just how they how they attack the game and how they play the game. We do have a chart that we use in-game, and uh, something that makes us, I think, probably kind of unique, and, and maybe it's the football coach and me, we started uh, issuing helmet stickers for our baseball kids, no different than they do in, in high school football. We coach high school football long enough, and you realize, hey, man, these guys like getting these helmet stickers when things go well, so let's do it for baseball. So we, we have helmet stickers for – Every kid gets their own batting helmet, and we've got helmet stickers. We kind of we've taken the uh, Matt Deggs, the head baseball coach at Louisiana Lafayette, and his he's got the the Wolfpack mantra and the Wolfpack motto that he uses for his teams, and we've kind of adopted that. And so we give out little bone stickers because if we're the Wolfpack and we eat and we win, then all that's going to be left is is the bones. And so we give out these bone stickers, and some of the things, the the stats that we look at determine if you're getting a bone when we win is obviously if we win the game, if we have ten or more hits one or less errors, seven-plus runs. Offensively, if we can bunt for a hit, get an RBI, execute an offensive play, get on base to start an inning, which I think is, is huge. And so we make a real big deal about, hey, if you're leading off an inning, you got to fight, scratch, and claw, do whatever you can to get us rolling. Uh, so getting on base to start an inning, getting hit by a pitch, and then having two or more stolen bases in a game. So if you do any one of those things and you do it multiple times, you get multiple bones when we win. Uh, defensively, if you're able to turn a double play, Relay for an out, throw a runner out. Uh, the catcher stays the run, whether it be blocking a ball at third or making some kind of a play to save a run, then he'll get one. And then any kind of web gem, you know, any kind of that's that's our discretion. Any kind of great play that keeps keeps base runners off base, we'll we'll give you a bone for that. And then on the pitching side of it, four things that I think are just absolutely critical for pitcher success is being able to get a strikeout with a runner in scoring position. So we're going to strike out a guy and he's not, and those runners aren't going to be able to move up at all. Obviously if we can go three up, three down, then they're not going to have a great chance of scoring. Uh, if we can get an out after an error, I think you make an error on the field. And a lot of times things will snowball. So we really make a big deal with our pitchers, with our guys. Like, Hey, if we get an out after error, we're going to be okay. Let's really bear down and, and focus on this instead of letting the, the wheels fly off. And then um, if our pitchers can get in and out of the inning and, 
in less than 11 pitches, then I, we feel pretty good about it being a big inning for the offense. So if those pitchers do those four things, then they'll get a bone too. So it's fun at the end of the year that they, they love getting those bones and, it, and they focus on what they need to do to get them. And it's fun at the end of the year when their helmet at all is all full up out of it's full up of white bones. It looks pretty cool and, and like they've really taken to it and they love doing it. And that's those are some of the things that we look at in game that we think is the difference between winning and losing. And, and when we win games, the chart is all full up. And when we lose games, there's not much going on there. So uh, it's been pretty it's, – it's held pretty true for us that, that these are the things that win games for us. Wow, I love that idea. That's a really, really cool idea. And what about you, Coach Hooker? What are some of the stats that you look at when evaluating players? Uh, I think with our pitching staff, uh, you know, we talk to our kids too. Um we always tell them uh, less than three walks, a game on the mound, and one error or less is going to put you in chance to win the game. So we, we preach heavy on that. Uh, and where I'm at, uh, we don't have a lot of power arms. You know, we're, we're not going to strike out, you know, 12 a game. So uh, we we preach big time on defense with uh, basically telling them, you know, one out or uh, one error or less is, is going to keep us in games and, and less than three walks. Uh, you know, we're, we're big too. Uh, what Coach Nichols said too, if we get an error, you know, we got to get it out the next batter. Uh, so we're big on that. I'm not a, I'm not a massive stat guy. Like I couldn't go back into our book and, and tell you last year who hit what. Uh, you know, we, we look at how our kids uh, react first time around in the lineup uh, to a pitcher. You know, uh, I don't want to say I, I'm great at it, but I, I can tell pretty quickly with an at-bat what our kid needs to do to make an adjustment. Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, stat, stats are funny. Uh, you know, baseball, you, you could go 0 for 4 with four hard hits and you can go 4 for 4 with four bloopers. Uh, you know, and so we, I'm not real big on stats. You know, we just talk to our kids about certain things. And, and our big deal, uh, we tell our kids if we, we can win a game if we have zero base running errors. Uh, so we, we do a lot of stuff uh, in practice, base running. Uh, I feel like base running is kind of a lost art. So we, we do a lot of things. We're hitting BP and our kids are running bases. We're, uh, I think the, the biggest deal you see in high school baseball is kids not being able to defend the bunt. Uh, so we, we square around quite a bit, kind of see where the, the defense is going, really talk to our kids in, in BP when we're, we're working laying down bunts that – you know, our runners are watching the ball lay down uh, defensively. Uh, when we get an out on a bunt, you know, that we're popping up and looking at the advanced runner and, and trying to make sure they're not going from first to third. Uh, we, we work a lot of just that small stuff uh, to make sure we're prepared for games. But uh, I'm, I'm not a massive stat guy. Uh, you know, I guess the, the one stat I do look at uh, for hitting wise, is definitely our on base percentage. Uh, you know, I'm a big preacher too of our our leadoff guy. Our our, uh, our leadoff here uh, did a good job for us uh, the 14 games uh, we played last year. I think he he led off the game eight or nine times with either a walk or a hit. And uh, you know, we we preach to our kids really big about being that leadoff guy, being the the tough guy. It doesn't matter if you're in the eight hole and you come up first. You know, you your mindset's got to change. Uh, to, to be that guy to draw a walk to single and um, I guess the biggest the biggest stat that we see now is all over Twitter is this launch angle stuff and, and you know some teams can do that some can't 
we cannot hear a Basel Weir. Uh, you know, we did not hit a home run in our 14 games last year, and I don't know if we'll hit one this year or not. So, you know, we, we change our approach and mindset with our kids on hitting. Uh, a lot of kids in the Metroplex here all have their own hitting coach, select coach, and, and we, we talk to them about, you know, you've got a great cage swing. We, we kind of joke to them about it. We call them the lesson swing. Um, they look great in the cage. It's how can they transition it uh, to the field? So we we do a lot of talking, a lot of uh, slow some stuff down for instruction wise, uh, but we, we don't we don't look at our stats a lot. Uh, you know, we'll go back through. We also have an in-game chart that we use, um, kind of see where each kid is through the lineup. But uh, stat-wise, I, I don't take too much stock in it. I just take uh, at the end of the game if we won or lost. Great, great stuff, guys. And we'll start with you first on this next question, Coach Hooker. What is something new that you're going to try this year with your team, whether it be a drill, a team-building activity, maybe even how you coach? What would that something new be? Well, we, we kind of started a little bit last year, but with the season cut, uh, always I, I've been at the small school. I've had one assistant only, and I've, and I've, I've always had a coach third. And so I've got a coach here, uh, Dylan Smith, that's, that's been uh, assistant here for eight or nine years. Uh, he handles all our hitting. <clears throat> so I'm going to let him go coach third base, and I'm going to manage everything from the dugout. And uh, – Coach Stone, our pitching coach, will, will go to uh, first, or uh, we have a freshman coach that will be with us that he, he's going to go to first. And I'll be able to call the game from the, the dugout. We did it a little last year. Uh, it took me a few games to um, kind of adjust to it, but uh, I thought it helped our hitters a little bit because I was able to talk to them on deck the whole time and, and you know, kind of give them the situations and – and be able to kind of manage the game from the dugout uh, and let Coach Smith, uh, you know, run the bases for us. So um, talked to a few coaches that have done it before. Some of them like it, some of them don't. Uh, I was 50-50 on it last year, but uh, I think it's going to help out our team overall that I, I can sit with our kids in the on deck and, and be able to kind of talk to our hitters, you know, hey, we got, you know, runner on second, nobody down. Well, you know, what we need to do, what your approach needs to be. You know, it's always kind of hard in the in the third base box to yell across. So um, it'll be interesting, but I think that that's the way we're going to go this year and see how it works. And what about you, Coach Mickles? What is something new that you're going to try this year with your team, whether it be a drill, a team building activity, how you coach, or et cetera? Two things that, that we're looking at at changing and doing different and one of them is i really think we're going to go to the matt Rico style of getting moving leads and jump leads and jump starts good in the second third base uh, i've been watching him teach that for a while now i think it's like, man that's that's so cool what they're doing like I, but I don't i don't know how to teach it i don't know how much time you have to spend on this like you really have to sell out for it and i haven't really committed to it but during our off season so far we we've started playing with it a lot and I've started studying it more and more and more. And we have what we call magic numbers. And I think probably everybody has this. We, we happen to call it magic numbers. But it's our time from first to second with a 12-foot lead. So whether my left foot, me straddle, or my right foot is in contact with 12, how fast can I get to second base? So basically running, you know, uh, 78, 77, 78 feet or so. 
and you know our really fast guys are between you know three three and a three four and a half, and our intermediate runners are between a three five and a three six, and our slower guys are three seven to three nine. And we those guys know we run it all. We run them all the time. We do it. We build it into our sprint work, and our guys always know what their magic number is because if our number is better than the pitcher throwing it home and the catcher throwing the second. Well, it's an automatic for us. We know if if the pitcher and the catcher are a, a three five and a half, and I'm a three four nine, well, I'm I'm running and I'm feeling pretty good about it. And so, we started doing the the Talarico kind of moving leads, and to a man, every single kid has improved their magic number between point point oh two and point oh four seconds. I mean, we're we're flying now. I mean, we've gotten so much faster. So now it's about really just going all in on it jumping in and making sure we're coaching and working and we we're, we're doing everything we do from our, our speed training is focusing on, on these moving leads and, and be able to be a lot faster to second, being a lot faster to third, being able to still get back to first when they pick because people are going to know what we're doing and they're going to pick, but we've got very athletic kids and I think that this is going to play right into their hands and I'm excited about teaching it more and I'm excited about going all in on it. And the second thing we're going to do is we are never going to throw a bullpen again without a hitter in the box. And I've been coaching 12 years now, and I can't tell you how many times I've said, man, he looks great in the pen, but he can't bring it out there. Well, we're going to bring out there to the pen. And it, if we're in our just bullpen, then kids will either – hitters will either just take pitches and work on tracking pitches or they'll work on their on their button for hits. If we – we're pretty fortunate. We have – our cage is, is four tunnels all about 70 feet of 70 feet length. So we're going to throw two portables in those tunnels and we're going to freaking just make that thing into a thunderdome and just flat out get after it and have our guys uh, throwing live live ABs in there to our hitters. And so I you know some of my pitchers are like, "Well, coach, what if we want to want to work on something? Like we you better figure it out. You're going to figure it out in game situations and you're going to figure it out right now with with dudes trying to hit off you." And so I think it's going to help just with us transitioning that approach from being more controlled in a bullpen to really we've got to compete right now and we've got to have good stuff and we've got to got to flip that switch a little bit and if they want to really work on stuff they can do their short boxes and their flat grounds obviously those are things that won't have hitters in and we'll still we'll still work on shaping pitches and all that all the stuff that they need like that but anytime we're going 60 feet six inches we're going to have somebody in the box to face them and i'm really excited about that too because i think that that's going to start to to really kind of separate guys who are just bullpen throwers versus guys who can really compete in there Excellent, excellent stuff, guys. And so we'll move into this next question, and I'll start with you first, Coach Mickles. How do you build culture at your school? You know, culture is definitely the buzzword, right? And everybody's got to got to try to focus on something. I think for me, we write it down and we posted it, and our our kids don't have it memorized. It's nothing crazy like that. But I want them to be very clear of what the expectations of our culture are going to be. And for us, it's our culture is going to be made of guys who expect to win, who are positive people with a blue collar work ethic. They love to compete. They love to be around each other. They have thick skin and they have oak confidence. They stand up for what is right and they demand that their teammates do as well. They allow themselves to be coached hard and allow their teammates to demand more from them. They have a passion for the game and a passion for wanting to be great at something together. And so everything that we coach falls into that category. And I have to be the one that models it all the time. I think, uh, People always say, hey, we need to develop leaders and develop leaders, develop leaders. I kind of think that's overrated, to be honest with you. And what I mean by that is how many times have you said, hey, I need somebody to be a leader. And that kid just yells, uh, come on, guys, let's go. And then nothing really happens. And I'm going to be the leader. I can do that. And and I'm going to do whatever I can to constantly 
demonstrate and model this culture at everything I do, every phase of the day. I can't have a bad day. I can't be off. I can't be a step short. I can't be not feeling it today. I've got to model it to my best every single day. And what they're going to do is they're going to catch on and they're going to go with it. And then any correct, any corrective point is going to be based on the things on they're not following the part of some part of our culture, right? And so we're going to ingrain that over and over and over and every day. And and Joel, to be honest with you, we have we have absolutely outstanding kids and outstanding families where I'm at. It's so it's such a wonderful environment, and they've they've bought in hook, line, and singer. They're they're all in, and and I'm telling you right now. I might be the least important person in our program right now, and that's exactly how I want it. If I could not show up to our offseason and it would it would go off without a hitch and they wouldn't even notice that I wasn't there. And, and that's really what I've been trying to create is is how can I get let these guys take total ownership of it and be all in with it. And and I, I've made the joke to to them, to other people, that I've got the biggest coaching staff in Texas. i got 20 assistant coaches. It's pretty awesome, right? It's my varsity guys. They're my assistant coaches. They know that that's what the expectation of them is, is to buy into our culture, to, to grow our culture, to share our culture, and then to model their lives after what we're trying to do. And, and like I said, I was as bummed out as anybody because last year, my first year, it was just starting to take hold when we got shut down. And these dudes are, are so hungry right now that they've, they've like I said, they've gone all in on all of it. And, and it's just, it's been, it's been wonderful. And uh, we're going to keep that going. We haven't faced any adversity yet on the field this season, but when we do, I feel very confident in where we're going to be and how we're going to be able to handle it. And what about you, Coach Hooker? How do you build culture at your school? Well, I'm, I'm walking into a situation here that uh, there used to be a, a lot of tradition here at Boswell. Uh, they've had some some uh, great college players. They uh, Brad Hobbs from here who played, you know, 10, 12 years in Major League Baseball. And uh, uh, kind of the, the – the level went down for uh, a while, so we're, we're trying to bring that back. And, and I think uh, the biggest deal we're trying to do is have the kids take ownership in themselves. Uh, you know, we're, we talk to not just our seniors, but our sophomores and, and even the young freshmen about, you know, accountability with each other, accountability in the weight room, uh, in our uh, 50 minutes we get each day with them uh, during our athletic period. And we really preach to them about, you know, uh, building each other up. Uh, when I got here last year, I noticed there was a, a lot of putting each other down, uh, getting upset in fall ball uh, when somebody made an error, especially on the mound. So we've talked to and preached to our kids a lot about uh, just their presence on the field, the presence in practice, you know, showing up and make sure that, that you're, you're going 100% every day uh, and just trying to change the mindset of the kid um, up here in North Texas, and Coach Mickles will tell you this too, and really in the Houston area, Austin area, San Antonio area, select ball is really taking over uh, the state of Texas. And with that, you know, those kids go to practice with their select. Now, there's a lot of great select organizations up here, um, but a lot of them too is they just go up, they hit the cage for an hour for practice, and they go play games. So we're, we're trying to change that mindset when they come to practice that, you know, you're playing for what's on the front of your shirt, uh, not that what's on the back. Um, so we're, we're trying to change that mindset with those kids and, and just get a, a, a winning culture uh, going here at Boswell. Uh, the good teams that I've been around in the past, you know, uh, 
I could walk into the weight room, write the the uh, workout on the board, go home, eat breakfast, shower, come back, and I knew it would be done. And uh, so we're, we're starting to get some kids here uh, that are, you know, calling each other out. Hey, you know, you were supposed to do three of ten. I saw you do three of eight, you know. So that's the big deal is, is having a, our team be accountable for each other. And our, our big motto this year is, is uh, being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. So once, twice a week during our period, uh, we're calling on kind of our blitz defense or, or whatever you want to call it. But uh, we're basically putting in kids in uncomfortable situations. We're throwing out runners on second and third. Uh, nobody out. You're up one. And we got a, a fungal hitter at the plate, one of the coaches, and, and we're putting them in uncomfortable situations to try to uh, understand what we need to do, understand what they need to do, and build them into a better baseball players uh, and just trying to get them to, to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And I think once we get that, we'll, we'll start seeing a, a big difference in the spring. All right, our next question is this, and I'll start with you first, Coach Mickles. What do you do in the off season, or what are some of the things you do in the off season to help improve your players? Well, just I think like everybody else, we're really big on on player development and, and building the athlete and trying to max out what their ability and what their skill set is. Right, we get them as as freshmen or sophomores, and they're at a certain place, and we know that they have to be at. You know, they're at A, and they, we know we, we got to give them to B at some point. And so we spend a lot of time in the weight room, and we have a, a we have a really wonderful 70-yard indoor turf room, which is just fantastic for us too. And, and during baseball class, we're the only we're the only extracurricular class going on during that period. And so we get it all to ourselves between that and the weight room. Uh, we're gonna do we will do some kind of very some sprint work some kind of jump variation and some kind of squat variation every single day. Cause we're going to do what we can to, to, to build the athlete. Um, I'm kind of, I'm not a strength guy. I know enough to be dangerous, you know, like a lot of us, uh, I've kind of fallen back on the, on the two guys There's Zach Deccan, who's the uh, strength and conditioning guy at TCU who wrote the book movement over maxes. It's absolutely just a brilliant book for guys like, like me who just aren't strength and conditioning guys, but need, need to have that good foundation to be able to, to coach and get his guys ready. And then when I was at Richland for all those years, we had probably the best high school strength and conditioning coach in America and a guy named Monty Sparkman. And so I just I just steal a lot of stuff that we did over there, too, because I saw how much uh, he was able to develop our athletes. And so that's the big part of it. When October started, we started our uh, our Jaeger long toss and our, our driveline long, our driver driveline throwing program. Uh, we give them a couple months off when school starts, but then we start rolling with that in October. And so they're throwing three days a week. Uh, a lot of guys are playing in the fall. Um, I've got 30 guys coming back, 15 of them are with me and the other 15 or so play football. And so football guys, I'm not getting a whole lot of, but they're doing enough athletically right now to kind of keep them where they need to be. And, uh, but we're doing our driveline stuff when November starts, uh, we'll start hitting more and we'll do, uh, an ax bat training series. And, and we, those ax bats, the kids really like them and they've seen the results from them too. And so, uh, it, it really is, it's constant. We're, we're trying to get bigger, faster, stronger. We're trying to get better arm speed with our with our driveline throwing and we're trying to be able to hit the ball further with our axe bat training so uh we're like i said we're not doing anything real unique there other than just the, the constant focus is build these guys up build these guys up build the athlete what can we do to get a little bit better what can we do to be a little bit better today than we were uh yesterday and so that's that's kind of where we we take that in the fall 
And what about you, Coach Hooker? What are some things that you guys do to develop players in the offseason? Uh, well, U- UIL was, is, was very nice to us. Uh, to people that don't know, that's our governing body uh, for the state of Texas. And, and they gave uh, everybody in the offseason an extra one hour before or after school for the weight room uh, for speed and uh, strength and conditioning. So we've utilized that every morning, and, and we're trying to do the same thing. We're doing a lot of box hops, uh, a, lot of, a lot of lower body stuff, a lot of um, – Quick three second, you know, I, we preach to our kids about, you know, baseball is not an endurance sport. I mean, I'm sure Coach Mickles can tell you back in the day because he was a pitcher. Uh, they would tell you, you know, throw on your sweats and go run four miles to, to sweat out the uh, the soreness and run it out. And, uh, you know, listening to some people in the past, uh, <clears throat> I think uh, the, the biggest deal with baseball is everything's a, you know, quick twitch muscle. And, you know, it took me a long time to, to realize that. So we focus a lot in the weight room on, on fast switch, uh, lower body things. You know, we, we still do our upper body stuff. And I know a lot of people talk about, you know, nothing over the shoulders with baseball kids. We, we still lift uh, one day a week over the shoulders, not real heavy. Uh, but we're, we're trying to build the athlete too. And then uh, off season, definitely, uh, you know, we put our kids in different situations. Uh, we just finished our fall ball last week. Uh, we were, we've been blessed here with enough kids that we, we can play a lot of fall ball uh, as a team. So we split our kids up, and, and most of them are done this weekend or next weekend with um, their select stuff. So we're going to get into our uh, Jaeger throwing program, too. We, we kind of started long tossing last week. We'll take the next six, six seven weeks to really long toss and and start building our flat grounds and our bullpens. And, and we do the same thing as Coach Mickles uh, uh, with, our, with our bullpens. Uh, we, if we don't have a hitter standing there tracking pitches, we, we bought the dummies and have them there so our pitchers have something to compete against up there. Uh, they, uh, <clears throat> so it, it's helped. We, you know, I think the biggest deal with our, our pitchers is throwing inside. You know, when, when I was growing up, there was the uh, – the minus five, you get jammed on the Omaha, and the Omaha still going to allow you to hit a 400-foot home run. So everybody preached away, away, away. So we're back to trying to, you know, teach kids these bats are dead and being able to throw inside. So that's a lot with our pitching. And then uh, Coach Smith handles all of our hitting here, and uh, he's got, you know, six or seven different stuff that he does. But the biggest deal we're doing this year uh, is we're, we're hitting off the machine a lot more. And uh, kind of saw it the other night. Uh, they, they were showing uh, uh, Freddie Freeman hitting off the machine in pregame and uh, on MLB Network. And next day I talked to our kids. I said, how many did y'all see that? And a bunch of them raised their hand. And I said, see, if major leaguers can hit off the machine, you can. And the biggest deal is I can't throw hard anymore. I got an assistant, Coach Stone, that still can run it up. But – to be able to simulate 85-plus, we, we use the machine a lot. And, and moving up classifications, and don't get me wrong, the 5A district that we were in uh, has got some some dudes on the mound. But uh, I've noticed in the 6A, especially the Metroplex, everybody's got one big arm. Uh, most have two. So we're, we're not going to see the 78 to 80 anymore. We're going to see the 85-plus every Tuesday, Friday, and even in tournament play. So we're uh, – we're using the machine a lot and cranking up the speed to 85 plus and uh, just trying to uh, get the get the kids adjusted to 
the higher speed. Uh, you know, the select ball is great around here, uh, especially in the state of Texas and really in the south. But uh, they'll go to these tournaments and play six, seven games, and they might see one big arm, and everything else is going to be, you know, 80 below. So we're just trying to train our kids right now to to get adjusted to 85-plus uh, every, every time they play. Great stuff so far, guys. We're going to wrap up the whole podcast here with this question, and we'll start with you first, Coach Hooker. What is some advice that you would give to a coach who is just starting his coaching journey? My uh, my first job, uh, I was at Highland, Texas, which is, uh, oh, I think we had about 90 kids in the high school, and, and I didn't have an assistant coach. and So I called my high school coach and said, hey, I thought I knew what to do, but I don't. Help me out. So he kind of made a suggestion. He said, okay, you're down in Southeast Texas. He said, find two or three people in your classification that have had some success and talk to them and then find some others. So what I did is I put a dot in Beaumont, Texas and circled it and found out every coach in the area that had won a state championship. And I blew them up. And one of them was Sean Mixon and Mark Williams at Evadale. And I wore them out question after question after question. And I used to drive over uh, to Woodville where Coach Mixon lived, and and I'd wear him out on a Saturday and Sunday. And, I mean, we would just talk for hours. And and I think going to the clinics are a big deal, especially in the state of Texas. We have a a Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association clinic in Waco. They always bring in great speakers. Uh, They bring in a lot of the college guys. And don't get me wrong, I love listening to the college guys. But um, <clears throat> my philosophy with that is they've got 40 Division One players in their program. We don't. So I like to go and, and really talk to the guys that uh, – good high school coaches that have had a lot of success and just pick their brain. And that's what I've noticed about baseball coaches, especially in this state, is they've got no problem uh, sitting down, talking to you, sitting down, uh, explaining things that they do. Uh, so that's what I do. I, I do a lot of uh, phone call, a lot of texting to other coaches and kind of ask them situations. Uh, and, and that's really helped me out. And that, that's the one thing I've noticed in, in our profession uh, here in the state is, is the good coaches are open to anything. They, they will talk to you. Uh, they don't have egos. Now, don't get me wrong, some do, but you know, if, if a young coach ever texts me and asks me a question, man, I try to get back to them pretty quickly, um, try to help them out. You know, I had a lot of great people that helped me out when I was younger. Uh, you know, I'm 37 now, and I still uh, hit up the older coaches. Uh, you know, I've I've gone down, talked to uh, Lamar, SFA, uh, some other schools. Uh, most of the colleges around here in the state, too, will open up. And, and you can go down there and watch them uh, practice and, and pick their brain. Um, I've had a lot of success doing that. And, and it builds relationships and it, and it, you know, helps you out in the future. And definitely uh, it's fun to go just see what other, other people are doing. You know, even if you find one small thing uh, from somebody, you know, uh, I, just like just today, I, you know, we're, we're going to do what Coach Mickles did. We're going to put a batter in the cage now uh, and have our pitchers throw flat grounds and just work on their location. Our cages aren't as big as theirs, but we have six, so we're, we're going to work our flat grounds with hitters in there now. So uh, 
appreciate that, Coach Mickles. We're going to take that from you today. So uh, that's pretty much my advice, especially to a young coach. Call, call, call. And uh, the biggest deal, too, if you're, you're a first, second-year guy and, and you're that JV coach, you know, treat those uh, guys just like you would if you were a varsity head coach. You know, co coach your butt off with those guys and, and treat those games like uh, – you know, you're the head the head varsity coach and and get experience from that. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot of coaches getting into our profession. You, know, you can go out, especially in Texas, you can go out in the oil field and the refineries and make uh, a lot more money uh, than you can in our profession. So it's I've always learned, too, to try to treat these younger guys uh, how I would want them to be treated when I was younger and and, you know, try to help them along. And what about you, Coach Mickles? What's some advice that you would give to a younger coach who's just starting their coaching journey? The points that I want to make, and, and here's the first one, and it's a critical time in, in, in our world right now, and young boys need men and good men that they can look at and lean to, okay? Popular myth in, in athletics is, hey, put your kids in sports. Sports is going gonna, is gonna to build character. That's not true. That's a myth, Okay. It can only we can only build character in kids if we're modeling it ourselves, okay? And they don't need another buddy. They don't need to hear from you. They don't need to hear you cussing. They don't need to hear about your wild times in college. And they don't need, you know, you bumping from them and making that okay. And and you know, if, if you're out and you're, you know, cheating on your wife or going to the strip club a lot and you're running women and you're doing all these things that are not living a life of character, it's gonna show up in how you coach. And your kids are going to get exposed to that. And we have to be so much better. I think that there, there is a lot of that. There's a lot of really, really awesome and good men. But we still have to to get out some of that, the, the character flaws. And, and I'm not perfect by any stretch. But I think you have to spend time working on you and knowing that you're not, you're not perfect and you're not going to uh, be exactly where you need to be. And you have to fix you and you have to constantly be working on yourself to be able to get your guys – uh, to see what you're trying to do. Like if you, you you can take your life in disarray and think you can lay it on top of your program, then you're going to have a mess on your hands. Your kids are going to sniff through that. They're going to see that. They're not going to respect you. They're not going to trust you. Then you have to spend time really working on you first to where you can be that guy for them. Like I said, they have they have buddies. They have older brothers and older guys that they know that, hell, some of their the men in their lives might might not be that kind of positive figure for them. But we – we are charged, and more so now than ever, we are charged with building the next generation of men, and that's something we have to take extremely seriously. And so, you, like I said, you can't take your life in disarray and put it on top of those guys and think it's just going to be okay. The second part, and I think this is something that, that we're all guilty of, is we're you know a new young coach. I know a little something about the game. I'm excited. I'm 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 ready to go. And I see a kid, and I can see the talent, and I know how good he is. And I jump right in to just making him a better baseball player, making him a better baseball player, making him a better baseball player, and sharing all this stuff. And I'm going to help him get there. I'm going to help him get to college or make it to the pros or, or whatever the case might be. And we don't spend enough time actually working on the kid. You know, a kid is a is a is a four legged table. He's got four legs. He's got his spiritual side, his academic side, his social side, and his athletic side. And if we only spend time focusing on that athletic leg, then as soon as life puts some burden on that table, there's some weight on that table, he's gonna collapse. He's not gonna be ready to handle it. And it's it's real tempting to see a kid with talent and want to really nurture that and really focus on that. But twenty years from now, 
It's not going to matter in his marriage if you taught him how to throw a good curveball when he was 16. Or when his kid gets sick, it's not going to help him that you taught him a really great 2-0 approach one day. You know what I mean? And so we have to make sure that we are working on the kid. The baseball stuff, the athletic stuff, has a way of taking care of itself. You know what I mean? They're going to they're they're going to spend time on it. It's going to be important to them. They're going to grow and they're going to get better and they're going to trust you. But you have to d- devote some time and spend some time working on them and who they are because they're all they all they're all, you know, cocky and young and ready to go with their they're they're scared boys who are trying to find their way in the world and if and and we have to spend time working on that part of it. And and those two things, I think if you can do that and it, it it's not going to be easy. It's not easy for me every day either. Right, because I'm I'm a human being just like anybody else. But if you if you make it a priority to focus on those things, then they're going to have a way of 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 coming out, and you're going to be able to get the most out of uh, out of your whole coaching experience and what we're all really called to do, and that's to impact young men. That wraps it up for the Coaches Roundtable podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. If you would be interested in being part of an episode yourself, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Coach Crato, K-R-A-T-O. Thank you.